This is Building on the Solid Rock with Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel, Solid Rock. Let every family find faith in the Father's love. This is where it begins. This is our cry, this is our song, Jesus the way. We find our life in Him. You can whip yourself into a frenzy. If I recall properly in the Old Testament, that's Elijah was waiting for the prophets of Baal and they were whipping themselves into a frenzy trying to call upon the gods. So we can do that. You can have a Christian mosh pit. You know, hey guys, catch me. Well, the spirit's moving, man. And we could have fun with it. But it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is there. But one thing you will know is that when the Holy Spirit is at work, hearts break. People realize their need of Christ. Repentance takes place. Jesus is seen. He's seen more clearly. He's heard. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So have you ever had clarity on something that you didn't think you would have clarity on? In today's message, Pastor Troy says that the Holy Spirit gives us clarity about God. When you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're lost and won't fully understand the weight of who God is. God is love. He wants to work within your life for the better. You can have the Holy Spirit by believing in God and repenting of your sins. He loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. All you have to do is believe and follow Him. Now, here's Pastor Troy in the book of John chapter 15 with today's edition of Building on the Solid Rock. The Mormon church believes that God had a physical body, Elohim, had physical relations with Mary, producing a physical son, Jesus, and that the Holy Spirit is simply His force that moves His people, that moves people, sort of like the wind, a good, strong gust of wind would move you, right? Sort of like that. Christian science. Christian science was founded by Mary Baker Eddy. Uh, She experienced a dramatic recovery from a life-threatening accident after she read about Jesus' healings. And so she began to wonder, how did these healings happen? The science behind it, right? How did these healings happen? And so she began to, to study how they may have happened and concluded that when we focus on the spirit of God's love, the essence of God, the spirit, the spiritual healing happens and we can actually produce life and healing. These things can be effective if we just focus on them and let them permeate our being. Just dwell on the love of God. So Christian science, there's a science to Christianity and healing and those things. And even today, we got to be very careful. No Bible that would refer to the Holy Spirit as it is a good version of the Bible. Notice concerning the Holy Spirit, it says, um, in 1526, uh, that's chapter 15, verse 26, he will testify. In chapter 16, verse 8, he will convict. Chapter 16, verses 13 and 14, he will guide. He will speak. 
He will declare. These are things a person does with personality, not a force or an essence. Not only that, but if we looked at Romans 8.27, it speaks about the mind of the spirit. And Ephesians 4.30 speaks about grieving the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 5, Peter told Ananias and Sapphira that they had lied to the Holy Spirit. So I want, if you haven't got this already, I want to emphatically declare to you that the Holy Spirit is not an it, not an essence, not a force, but is a person, third person of of the Trinity, just as Father. Father doesn't have a body, but he's the first person. His role as Father is the first person of of the Godhead. And the Holy Spirit, it would be the third person. And here's what we're going to see a little bit later, how that hierarchy sort of unfolds even here. I spend a little time on this, establishing that he's a person. Because I mentioned earlier that maybe we don't understand him and maybe that's why we're not able to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, we have got to stop treating the Holy Spirit like some force that we muster up in our life. It's not some force that we, like, like adrenaline. Like, oh, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. And then all of a sudden, no, no, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's adrenaline. We can create an environment that feels like God's here. Oh, it's the Lord. No, it's just nice music, some incense, a beautiful voice. You know, it's an, envi- an ambiance. Not necessarily the Holy Spirit. R.A. Torrey wrote, of many Christians. They are reaching out after and struggling to get possession of some mysterious and mighty power that they can make use of in their work according to their own will. But the Holy Spirit is to get hold of them. We must rejoice that there is no divine power that being so ignorant as we are, so liable to err, that we could get hold of and use. How appalling might be the results if there were. We're not, we're not summoning, feeling, oh, creating. And this is what's so concerning about some of the church culture today and its uh, worship and, and environment, its culture. It's trying to drum up some feeling that the Holy Spirit is actually there when the Holy Spirit may not be there at all. The question is never, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit? The question is, how can I surrender myself more to the Holy Spirit? Person. Okay, second thing we need to really know and piggyback right on this, uh, he's a person, is the Holy Spirit is divine. That simply means he's God, the third person of the Trinity. Uh, Chapter 15, verse 26, Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit as coming from the Father. So the Holy Spirit has come from the Father just like the Son did, just like Jesus did. In chapter 16, verse 13, the Holy Spirit does not speak on his own authority, just like Jesus said of himself. I do not speak on my own authority. And we can see the structure, the hierarchy, the roles in this. Because in chapter 16, verse 14, Jesus says the Holy Spirit will glorify him, Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is going to come and glorify me. And the Holy Spirit is going to come and confirm or declare Jesus' word. 
And what did Jesus say about himself? Well, I came to glorify the Father. I came to declare the Father's, to reveal the Father to you. So we can see their roles. Jesus came and he set an example. He revealed God to us. And he paid the price of sin as the Savior. Well, the Holy Spirit has been poured out into the hearts of those who believe to restore the image of God in us, that we might become Christ-like. So he is not the Savior, but the sanctifier. An ongoing work, an active work in our life. So the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is divine. Also, the Holy Spirit is discreet. Um, Another way of saying that would be the Holy Spirit is inconspicuous. Or we might say, he doesn't draw attention to himself, but is pointing people to someone else. Namely, Jesus. Now, Jesus had no problem accepting worship. The Holy Spirit is God, but he always points to Christ. See, Jesus was the the representation of his being. The rocks cried out at his entrance. The Holy Spirit always points people to Christ. He's discreet. Verse uh, 26, chapter 15. When the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Look at chapter 16, verse 9. He will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment of sin because they don't believe in me, Jesus. Now that's the part there we're going to break down a little bit more next week because we want to see what is he actually doing in this world. What's his big agenda? Because that affects what he does in us and through us. Also, chapter 16, verse 14, he will glorify me, that's, that's Jesus, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You could say the Holy Spirit is a lot like a, a stage director or the one who holds the light on, at a play. If you've ever been to a play, you know, they turn down the lights and the light, boom, it comes on and it's a spotlight that shines on. But when the light comes on, no one goes, oh, there's the light, there's the light. No, that's not what the purpose of the light is for. It shows a light on the star. And that's what the Holy Spirit's job and role is. Not to be visible and seen, but to point to Christ. To reveal Christ and to help people see Christ. To see his work, his hand. By the way, a good test to see if someone is filled with the Holy Spirit in what they are doing is not that they do it well. People can do things really, really well. They're gifted speakers, gifted musicians. I mean, there are people who do great things. Not because you feel goosebumps either. There are people who are duped into marriages and relationships because they felt goosebumps that weren't of the Lord. No, the way you can tell is if people begin to desire Christ, to know Christ. Not to desire the thing, Not to desire the Holy Spirit more, although we do want His leading. We do want to be filled. 
But the emphasis is on first, Christ. See, if they're filled with the Holy Spirit, then what they're doing will help people see Jesus. Think about the difference in these two questions. One's more of a worldly Holy Spirit focus, and the other is a Christ-centered focus. These two questions, and I've been asked both of them in relation to, am I a spiritual person? Pastor Troy will return soon with the second half of today's edition of Building on the Solid Rock. If you're enjoying the teachings of Pastor Troy Neely and would like more information about this program, we invite you to visit our website at buildingonthesolidrock.com. There, you'll find an archive of previous messages from the verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the books of the Bible. We'd also encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, as you'll be able to gain access to the latest teachings as soon as they're posted. That website, again, is buildingonthesolidrock.com. We're blessed to be a part of your life through the teachings of this program, and we pray you're blessed as you continue to tune in. Now, back to Pastor Troy with more of today's message. So the first one, someone find out, find, wants to find out if you're a spiritual person. Here's what they ask. These two questions. First one, do you speak in tongues? Second one, there's a big difference in the emphasis, isn't there? I mean, one, some, some will say, if you don't speak in tongues, I don't know if you're saved. That's the sign of salvation. Let's all speak in tongues. But it's not. You can whip yourself into a frenzy. If I recall properly in the Old Testament, that's Elijah was waiting for the prophets of Baal and they were whipping themselves into a frenzy trying to call upon the gods. So we can do that. You can have a Christian mosh pit. You know, hey guys, catch me. Well, the Spirit's moving, man. And we could have fun with it. But it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is there. But one thing you will know is that when the Holy Spirit is at work, hearts break. People realize their need of Christ. Repentance takes place. Jesus is seen. He's seen more clearly. He's heard. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in this world, as we will see much more clearly uh, next week. So the Holy Spirit is a person. He's divine. He's discreet. Uh, Fourth, the Holy Spirit is helpful. Twice in our text, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the helper. He's the helper. And notice how important this helper is to us. How important it is for Jesus, to Jesus, that we get this help, this helper. He says in uh, chapter 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. It's like, what do you mean? That's better? Yeah, one, because we don't lose quality when we get the Holy Spirit. We don't lose quality. Jesus was here, but oh, he's sending us the helper. A subpar version of Jesus. No, no. The God. And the Holy Spirit's God. Not less. Not less better. But better enroll for this venture, this, this time. Jesus could only walk with his disciples and, help, and let them see and let them touch and all of those things so that they could do something else the Holy Spirit was about, which is establishing the gospel, the, the word that we would receive, those of us who receive the Holy Spirit. 
And so, he sent us the helper and he can send it to me, not just me, but to you and to others, others not in this church, so that they could have power to live their life by. A guide, counselor, all that we need. See, the word helper is the Greek word parakletos, which speaks of one who is called to come alongside and help wherever it's needed. Things are getting a little heavy for you. They won't be because I'm here. A little overwhelmed by things? You won't because I'm going to take some of the burden. I'll calm you. I'll do whatever is necessary to help that which the Father says. God knows that we need all the help we can get. I mean, if we weren't even about the Father's business, we would need a lot of help just to live life. But we are called to the Father's business now. We are going to be hated, not necessarily loved. We're we're going to have missions that we wouldn't have taken upon ourselves. We're going to work on things in our heart we wouldn't have before. And we need help. And so he's sent us the Holy Spirit. Do you ever feel, man, I'm overwhelmed. I can't think straight. I need help. You have the helper. Or I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to handle this. Well, you have the helper. What about this one? Man, this temptation is so strong, Lord, I need help. You have help. The helper. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. How? He sent his Holy Spirit, the helper. So, what is the key? What is the secret? It's the Holy Spirit in you. That makes the difference. That makes all the difference in the world. Someone who has the Holy Spirit in them can no longer say, I can't do what God wants me to do. It's wrong. Because you have the Holy Spirit. Now, here's one of the problems. How full you are of the Holy Spirit isn't a matter of, you know, his willingness, but yours. It's a matter of letting go, letting God. There's a lot of us in us. In the very beginning, it's like the Holy Spirit, like, like Paul, Saul, he was knocked back, man, whoa. It's like, oh, I want to change everything. And then you start to work on one thing and you go, it's going to be hard. I wanted to change everything. I can't change one thing. And I didn't know there were so many things. And so you come to reality and you realize it's a work, it's a walk, and the Holy Spirit wants to walk with you. But there's a lot of you in you. This is why some don't grow so much. Because they're sitting on the throne of their heart. Welcome, Holy Spirit. So glad I have you. I want more of you. Then get off the throne. I'm not getting off the throne. I just want more of you. Do something. Give me power to do this. Give me power in this relationship. I'm on the throne, directing and commanding. And the Holy Spirit's like, well, grieved. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's like, man, that's, that's supposed to be my spot. You know, I, I, I'm glad that you believe, but you have no power. Because the power doesn't come by adding me, but by yielding to me. That's what being filled with the Spirit is. Giving up. See, it's, we're, we're like an empty glass. All, we're airheads. We just got air in it. It's got air. How do you get rid of the air? 
Will you fill the glass with something? It was Dwight Moody that gave a great illustration of victorious Christian living, uh, you know, being filled by the Spirit. And he took a glass and he said, how do I get the air out of this glass? There were some suggestions. One was to pull a vacuum on it, you know, seal it and pull a vacuum. And, and he said, no, well, that would destroy the glass. I mean, we pull a vacuum on this glass. He said, it's very, very simple, really. I fill it with something else. He put the glass there. He filled it with water overflowing and there was no room for air because it was all filled with water. Then he said to them, the secret to victorious Christian living isn't trying to suck out one sin at a time in your life, but to be filled to the brim with the Holy Spirit. Then there is no room for anything else. This is one of the reasons that we need to be busy about the Father's business. We got a lot of business that we have no business being about. And it gets us in trouble. It causes us to spend extra money. Oh, I got time. I'm going to do some shopping. I'm going to do... And we go all over the place being tempted by the world because we put ourselves in that place. And so if we're busy focusing on what God wants us to do, we don't have time for the things He doesn't want us to do. And he always provides what we need for him to do, for us to do what he wants us to do. And the energy. Some, it's like we give all of our energy to what we want to do, and it's like, oh man, I gotta serve the Lord now. I'm so tired. Well, you, you served yourself. Well, I need the power, Lord. Give me the power. Fill me. No, you're on the throne. Last night you were driving all over the place on the throne. And now you want more of me? You're still on the throne. You see, we don't understand he's not a force. For some of us, there's the force, those energy drinks. No, that's the force. Some can't survive anymore without those. Like, I need an energy drink. What are you going to do? I just, I just woke up 15 minutes ago, but I'm tired, man. I got a test today. And you got to have the energy drink. That's not being filled with the Spirit. That's force, all right but not the force that God wants us to be filled with. He wants to be filled with the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. The glass has got to be empty, and you can only empty the glass by filling it. You've got to get off the throne. So what kind of help has he given? Well, there's some very important help that he's already given. Let's talk about that, because we'll talk about some of the help in the world next week. But there's some major help, significant help that he's already given. Look at verse 13, chapter 16. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Now he's speaking to his disciples and they're trying to go, how am I going to, I'm not taking good notes right now. I'm going to get all this. How are we going to remember? How are we going to know what to say? He says, look, I'm going to send you the helper. He's going to do this for you. He's going to help you. The first thing he has already done is given inspiration. The Holy Spirit has done the work of inspiring history to produce the Word of God to us today. He's given that inspiration. The the, the scriptures are built on the apostles and the prophets and the work and the Word that God had given through them and what they saw. The Holy Spirit established the Word of God by inspiration. 
A select group of men throughout history were filled with the Holy Spirit and enabled to write down exactly what God wanted to say in history and to get this word and preserve it and get it to us today intact. That's pretty awesome. Thanks for joining us today on Building on the Solid Rock. We hope you've learned some new things today as Pastor Troy taught through the Gospel of John. If you'd like to hear today's message again, please visit our website at buildingonthesolidrock.com. We also have an archive of previous messages available to you free of charge, ready to be listened to online or even downloaded and shared with friends and family. We're so blessed to be a part of your life in this way, and we'd love to hear how you've been impacted by Building on the Solid Rock. Feel free to send us an email at info at buildingonthesolidrock.com. We love being able to connect with our listeners in this way, and your feedback helps us continue to build this ministry. Next time, Pastor Troy will share more from the book of John and express additional examples of how Jesus proved he was unlike any other man that ever lived. Join us then, right here on Building on the Solid Rock. Let the light of Christ shine as we grow in Him. Come have your way in us. Come.